You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Welcome to another episode. I am Anthony Cazenza. And joining me in a much different location than usual is my co-host, John Sheeran. John, you are in the, you are far south, my friend, um, working the Senior Bowl with some some friends of ours. You're, you've got a, a roommate that's a buddy of ours as well you're, that you're hanging out with. How's everything going down there in Mobile? Yeah, it's my third year down here. I basically feel like a resident of Alabama at this point. I know all these. I know, I know. I know these streets as well as Cincinnati. No, I'm kidding. But the, the, everything is, is just as good as I remember it. Uh, it's been it's been a great two days so far. Awesome. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to a little bit. Well, actually, basically, this episode is gonna be quite a bit about what you have been up to down there, who you've been speaking to, what you've been seeing. Given that the offseason is now pretty much in full swing for the Cincinnati Bengals, the coaching staff is on hand as they are coaching one of the squads at the Senior Bowl and getting an up-close and personal look at many of the prospects at the Senior Bowl. And I'm sure there's quite – you've seen and heard some very interesting things. For those of you who have not yet listened to it, John and uh, and good friend Joe Goodberry were both on hand to interview Bengals de facto GM Duke Tobin. So that is up on all of our channels. I suggest you check out that interview. We're going to break down that interview in just a minute here, as well as who has been impressing some other sights and sounds from the Senior Bowl from John Sheeran, and uh, we'll. We'll talk about all of that. As always, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, the Megaphone platform, a lot of different ways you can get the show. So please subscribe there. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. A lot of our content is on there as well. And you can also find Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk videos on our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. So be sure to download all of that. Subscribe to our channels. We appreciate the support. And if you're able to join us live, please do so on our YouTube channel or through cincyjungle.com's Facebook page. We appreciate the support and all of the interaction. So, John, you and Mr. Goodberry there had a very interesting, and quite honestly, when you said interview, I was thinking, hey, you know, he got five, maybe ten minutes with the guy. You guys sat down with him for over 20 minutes, which was freaking awesome. Um, Really in-depth, and as you kind of said before we took the air, a little bit of a different angle of a conversation from what you and Joe had asked Duke compared to maybe the general media questions. Let's, let's kind of start macro big picture here. What, what was kind of your overarching, your impression of Duke Tobin, his approach to the interview, his approach to the questions, his answers to some of the questions. Did you walk away going, wow, this is a sharp, impressive guy. 
Were you a little surprised by some of the answers? Maybe the all the above? I don't know. What what were you thinking? Uh, just just for starters, I, there's for the people who have listened to it, the, there's a lot of comments about um, you know he didn't let us finish or he was very controlling. For just like the the dude barely talks to the media regardless. Like he's kind of like kind of a secret as Mike Brown in that regard. So any opportunity that we had to speak to him was an amazing opportunity, and I and I thank him. And Emily Parker, who uh, works with media relations with the Bengals, for setting that up. It was an amazing opportunity. And honestly, if you ever, if you've ever listened to him talk to the media, you can tell that he, he's very a drab human being. He's not really open to expanding upon his thoughts. It's almost like, in a sense, Belichick in that way. And our our goal was to kind of get him to open up with more, you know, philosophical and, and conceptual type topics and whatnot. And he did a good job of just of controlling the room, controlling the conversation, doing what he does best, and that's really controlling the narrative of, of what he does. But it was still amazing to 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 hear his insights on you know their their overall thoughts and their overall ways of of, of running this thing. So it was an amazing opportunity, and it was about I, I I wished we got him to open up a little bit more, but he's very controlled and experienced in, the, in this type of arena. So any opportunity that we had with him was something that we were always going to take advantage of. Yeah, look, I mean, what he's not going to sit here and say, guys, this is exactly what we're going to do on draft weekend. I mean, it's just that wasn't going to happen. He's not going to tell you who he's going to pick number one overall and or if he's going to sit at that pick. I think we have a pretty good idea and a pretty good inkling as to what the Bengals will do, should do, all of that. But he's not going to tip his hand, and, and it is a little bit of a, a bluff game to the rest of the league. And I, that's understandable. Um, I, I did get a little bit of the – uh, the vibe of, you know, I, I don't know. There, there's kind of a, a vibe of, uh, you know, this is this is what I do, guys. This is what I do. You're you're kind of asking me questions, and this is what I do. These are, this is what I live and breathe, and um, I, that kind of came through a little bit in his in his answers. But like I said, he could have been real terse and and talked to you guys for five minutes, seven minutes, something like that. Instead, he it was a conversation. And I, what I thought was very cool about the interview with you two and him is very intimate. It wasn't in a press room type of setting with a bunch of different reporters asking a bunch of different broad questions. It was you guys asking him very poignant draft centric questions, which I thought was very cool. The one thing I didn't did, did he happen to talk to you guys at all about you know free agency or any plans on that respect? Uh, I know that I know obviously this is a draft event and he, you know, the big deal is the draft with the Cincinnati Bengals. But I was just curious if he had said anything about free agency plans or the like. We, we tried to avoid, you know, anything that could have been considered tongue in cheek in regards to that. Like, why are you guys chief of free agency? Right. Like, and, and we, we thought about, you know, or we, we quickly snuffed out the idea of asking about, you know, the medical evaluations, all that stuff, any, anything that could have, they consider condescending that we weren't right. going to consider like the, the whole goal in, in, my, in my mind was just, just just to pick his brain on certain topics regarding the draft and regarding player evaluation that I've always believed in. I wanted to see, I wanted to, to for him to expand his thoughts on that and see where he stood, whether he agreed or disagreed or what the overall philosophy of how they did things. And a lot of my questions were in regards to, you know, my general philosophies for team building and player evaluation and just to see where he kind of stood on that. And, and again, he controlled, 
a lot of, you know, how, you know, the question was phrased and he answered in regards to, you know, his overall viewpoints and that. And there were some, there were some topics that I wish he could have expanded upon a little bit more or could have a- answered my questions a little bit more directly. But again, it, you know, this guy's good at what he does. And obviously he's very straight minded with his overall, you know, way of thinking. And that's basically kind of how it went. Yeah. So, so my, you know, what I was trying to so eloquently say earlier, sarcasm, was that, you know, he, he kind of came off with an air of guys, I got this, or right. we've, we've got this, when in fact the Bengals haven't got it the past couple of years. They really have had some misses the past couple of years in the draft. But, you know, it, it sounds like he has a firm grasp on on things. Um, did, did you come away from that interview feeling like, yeah, he does have this, and even though he's got a small staff working under him, yeah, they had they have a good pulse on you know what's what they're going to do in April and how they evaluate players. Did you feel good about what he was the answers he was giving you on that front? I came with like I can't I came into it, you know, kind of curious if the overall process is going to be different because you're they're drafting first overall, they're going to be drafting a franchise quarterback and because they're going to be dealing with uncertain futures with AJ Green and Andy Dalton, you know, the two franchise faces of the franchise. So with those factors factoring in, I was I was curious what is you know, if his persona and if his, if his mindset is going to be a little bit different, but it, it just feels like he's going with the status quo, and that's basically the direction they're going. It's just, it's just another offseason with a lot more special factors factored in, in, into it all. So I, that's really the vibe that I was pretty much getting from it. And you could tell in, in his answers that this is just another offseason. It's not anything, you know, special or anything just because of, of these certain circumstances that are being presented in front of them. It's just, it, it, like you said, like they have a process. They're sticking to that regardless if of, of their past failures, they're going to learn, they're going to self-evaluate and all that stuff, but nothing has really changed even with this being a, a really special offseason in all those regards. So one thing I thought was very telling, uh, surprising, and kind of points p- potentially to some foreshadowing going forward here was that he mentioned that we will always take the more talented player over a need. Um, and basically in a more eloquent way of saying we're not going to reach, we're not reaching for players because we specifically need them. Um, You know, you could look at some of the the past classes and, and see some examples of that. You know, people go, where are the linebackers? Where are the line, you know, where are the offensive linemen? And they, they held off because they didn't like certain players. Um you know, as much as, as others that they ended up taking because they thought the value wasn't there. Do you suspect that maybe need, even though he said that you're a two and 14 team, you got to get that quarterback. You got to get offensive line help. You got to get linebacker help. Do you, do you suspect that maybe that may take a little bit more of a backseat and needs will be on, on more of the forefront, or do you suspect the best player available is going to still kind of be, the, the main the main card at play like he made it very clear that they're always going to be targeting the players that are highly most highly graded on their board and how that board is structured is based is based off of nothing more than just how how they play on the field their overall on-field ability and i got we, we got into you know evaluating certain different traits as the game has evolved and and, and just how the game is different and 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 how value of certain players may change based off of where the roster is. So like, for, for example, you know, a player could be a fourth round player, but if he, 
himself brings more added value to the current state of the roster, then he can get bumped up over, you know, maybe like a, yeah. a mid third round player. And that, but at the end of the day, he, he came away saying there has to be a big enough discrepancy to take, you know, the, like he, there, the, a certain player would have to be graded much higher than the other player for need to be, you know, um, kind of thrown out the window in that sense. So it's always going to be about taking the best players possible, but also you have to, you know, he's, he's not stupid. You, you have to factor in need in, in some regards. And with, you know, how this offseason is going to go with certain decisions they make in free agency, I don't think there's going to be any more urgency to address specific positions of need. And I know people are going to look at, you know, picks like Drew Sample or not, where that that can maybe seem hypocritical. But at the end of the day, the evaluation sometimes they're hit, they're hit or miss. And with, with Sample right now, it looks like a miss. But I don't think that deviates away from their overall process. Yeah, one one other thing I found pretty um, pretty interesting and actually uh, made me feel pretty good about the process. Not that I didn't think they did it before anyway, but one of the things that he mentioned that they do is they go through multiple, multiple, multiple scenarios in each round and and tweak their draft boards and they you know they do their own mock drafts. It sounds like that sort of thing, um, and they kind of plan for scenarios. One of the things, <clears throat> you know, he talked about maybe trading back and, and being out of the spot that they're currently in. One of the things that uh, I wonder that they plan for, and I guess I'm just kind of thinking out loud rather than maybe asking you a question, but, you know, all these all these specific players that may be traded or dealt for draft additional draft capital this year, right? Your Andy Dalton, potentially A.J. Green if you franchise and trade them. Um, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick's name is floating out there. There are a couple of others, so... Uh, you know, I don't know if he touched on or gave you any sort of impression on, you know, maybe they're they're going to increase their draft capital that way. Or he did mention maybe by moving back, you know, picking up additional picks. But um, I, I would foresee that the seven picks that the Bengals have and where they're slotted, uh, I, I wouldn't I would expect some movement. That, uh, this <laughs> No, that's completely fair. Like, uh, we, we didn't necessarily dive into that because I, we were kind of expecting the answers that we were going to get. And I was like, <laughs> we're always going to be looking for the you know the best op- the best ways to improve the team and whatnot. And it would have been more more so of a cliche answer and, and not exactly exactly what we were going for. But yeah, like you you just look at the past drafts and the past like five or so years. I think they've traded back in the second round and nearly all of them, excluding you know the, the the Jake Fisher and the Tyler Boyd picks. So that that's a trend that you could very well expect to continue because they only have seven picks. They're not going to get any compensatory picks and they're going to have a lot of, you know, they're going to have a lot of departures and free agency. So they're, they, they need to find ways to, to fill this roster out. And because they're so well positioned in this draft, because they're drafting at the top of the, of the round every time that that's a, that's a prime spot for teams, you know, in the beginning of the second round, the beginning of the fourth round where that there's a cutoff in the days, teams are going to be calling all night, you know, for a chance to pick a player that is still really high on their board. So they're going to have multiple opportunities to drop down in this draft class. And that and that's after they can potentially trade Andy Dolan for a pick or two, and maybe even a, a Drake or Patrick. But I, I, Duke is always going to be, you know, the guy who says we're going to be looking to put the team in the best position to um, maximize the roster. And, and that, that was the, that was the overall impression that we, we kind of came away with. Well, a, a really entertaining interview. I don't know if you've got any other thoughts before we kind of move on to some of the players who have um, impressed and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I, very entertaining interview, very in-depth and, and uh, you know, attempted to ask some questions that you normally wouldn't hear from other. He, he, he was he was genuine and thorough. And honestly, that's all I could 
have, have hoped for because for him to do it in the first place. Apparently he was supposed to be somewhere like five minutes after, after we, we had finished and he was like rushing out of the hotel. So for him to take, to take the time to talk to us who are not officially credential media members, it was, it was an amazing experience and he was genuine and honest and that's all I could have asked for. Well, thank you uh, for, for getting that audio to us. And um, I, you know, I, I think our listeners, if you have not had a chance to listen to it, please do. I think our listeners would very much enjoy that. We may tack that on to the end of this, uh, this live episode here. Um, as of now, it is its standalone episode on all of our channels, but um, check that interview out. Very interesting. And not a guy you, you basically only hear from a couple times a year, right, John? I mean, it's, it's, a, right. it's basically at the senior bowl, at the combine around draft time, maybe around the first, the first, you know, around training camp or so. I mean, he's, he's a little more accessible than the Brown family, but um, you know, overall it's really just a handful of times that we get to hear from him. And it's uh, you know, pretty, pretty awesome that you guys were able to set that whole thing up. And like you said, I guess, thanks to Emily, uh, Emily with the Bengals to, to set that up. That was a, a neat opportunity. We're talking with John Sheeran, who is in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, picking up all the sights, sounds, and breaking down the interview that he conducted with Bengals Director of Player Personnel, Duke Tobin. Very interesting stuff. Check it out on all of our channels, as I mentioned. Moving on, John, we've we've there are some players who have impressed. There are players who have not. Um, you have been on hand at a couple of different practices. I guess start from the first day you were there and some takeaways from, from the, the, the first practice and kind of move on to, to where we're at middle of the week as we creep towards the actual game itself. So as most people know, I'm, I have an affinity for the trenches. So when I come down here, I usually gravitate towards the offense lineman, the defense lineman when they get into the one-on-ones and for, for the South, which is the, which is the roster of the Bengals are, are dealing with the first player that really caught my eye was um, Jabari Zuniga, who's an edge defender out of Florida. And now Jonathan Grenard is the the guy that most people should know. He's could potentially be a first round pick. He was also from Florida, but Jabari just kind of really stood out to me because he's more physically imposing. He's about six, five, almost 290, 300 pounds. So he fits the mold of that traditional five technique or just that big defensive end that the Bengals have traditionally liked in the past, but the overall quickness in his hands and his hips and the ability to win around the edge as quickly as he did, that was impressive. And it was even more impressive because the tackles for, for the South have really impressed me these past couple of days. Um, there, there was the, the the tackle from St. John's, Ben Barch, who it was a converted tight end from a, a, a D3 school, but the athleticism is obviously there. And just the overall hand strength for a former tight end and I'm going up against some of these Division One guys, that has really stood out. And also, also with the South, uh, uh, the offensive tackle from Texas Tech, I believe his name is uh, Terrence Steele. Um, not only has he is he that's, that's, that's the name right there. Terrence yeah, yeah, Steele. yeah, for sure. And and someone who has noticed is Jim Turner, who's been working with this offensive line and multiple times throughout the, these past couple of days. He's numerously, you know, um, call, called out Steele and, and and you know praised him for his on field work. And <laughs> honestly, Turner has been the most um, entertaining coach to watch. In, in these practices, he's definitely the most vocal. He, he's not going to hide his emotions. He's going to be he's going to be very clear in, in terms of instructions of what he wants to do. And Steele has been kind of mostly on his good side. Unfortunately, he had a couple of losses today, and that was mainly uh, due to guys guys like uh, Jabari uh, Zuniga and uh, and uh, also Grenner a couple times. But um, just those tackles that really stood out to me. 
Uh, also with the South, t- offensive lineman Tyree Phillips from Mississippi State has kind of given me that El- Eldon Jenkins vibe. Eldon Jenkins was down here with the Senior Bowl last year with, with, with Mississippi State. And the traits are definitely similar. You know, tree trunks for legs, a great, a great build. I think he's around 330 pounds, but just the overall anchoring ability, the overall ability to absorb power with his hands. Like he hasn't lost anything. He's been the one who has been handling um, Javon Kinlaw, who's the defensive defensive lineman from South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, who's potentially going to be a top 16 pick. He's been the guy that has been handling him the most consistently. And you can just tell why he's just got immense raw power and he's just not going to lose to lose to any bull rushes and the, his hands are pretty quick as well. So any, any type of countermeasures that anybody is offered up against him, it's just, just does not work. So those are definitely guys that have stood out for me on the South with the North. I got a more in-depth chance to look at, at those trenches and um, the, the interior offensive line group between temple center. Uh, what, what's his name? Hennessy. Yeah. <laughs> his last name is Hennessy, which is definitely a plus uh, Matt Hennessy from temple. And he's been working with, uh, Jonah Jackson from Ohio State at guard, and also Justin Heron, uh, the uh, guard from Wake Forest. They worked so beautifully t- together today in, co- in cohesion, whether it be his own zone concepts or power concepts, just mauling guys off the line in, in those seven-on-seven run drills. And, and just, j- all three of them handled uh, their one-on-ones extremely well. So definitely a lot of under-the-radar offensive line talent uh, from both these teams. And this, this offensive line class is generally viewed pretty talented at the top. And the, the depth at the bottom has been kind of in question, but the senior bowl has definitely given me more, more positive thought, more positive thoughts on this group than negative. So before I kind of ask you about a, a couple of more specific players that both I'm, I'm curious about as well as some of our listeners, but I wanted to ask you about how you've seen the Bengals coaching staff conduct practice um, have they been paying close attention or, you know, especially close attention to any specific position group? Have you seen certain players responding to specific coaches in any certain way, body language, et cetera? Um, I, I don't know. I, how are you how are you seeing that dynamic work down there? Well, it, the offensive line has definitely been the, the most um, interesting to watch in terms of how they've reacted to Turner's coaching. And when they go into one-on-ones against the defense line, Nick Easton, the defensive line coach, has kind of been feeding off of that intensity and overall energy. Just, just today, when they were going through one-on-ones, just there's just a, a mini crowd kind of forming around these drills because it was just so inter- entertaining to watch to see Turner kind of interact with these guys. And, and they're definitely taking it, taking it to it because you know the barge and, and steel, the, the the two tackles that Turner has has praised the most. They, they've you know been coming back for extra reps and they've been just taking to the coaching extremely well. I haven't got to really see much of much of the like the, the the skill positions to see how they've interacted with, with, with those coaches but I would definitely think that the offense line defense line um, groups have responded most have responded best to the Bengals coaching so far okay good to know um, you know especially with those areas kind of being uh, some of the bigger needs here uh, so John a couple of weeks ago I told you you have an assignment based on one of our listeners. Uh, requests and he is once again requesting in our live <laughs> chat Ken Dipple the Li- the Liberty wide receiver Antonio Gandhi Golden um, big guy and seems to seems to be a height weight speed guy um, you know small school obviously have you been paying any attention to him seeing anything out of him that's making you say yeah this guy's got it or I don't know the all most of the receivers I've seen in the North have been really good. N- not just 
not not just the Liberty guy, but also Michael Pittman has made a couple catches. Denzel yeah. Mills, Denzel Mims, excuse me, has been arguably the most impressive receiver I've seen for the North. But like you know, the the North in, in general, like the Lions are not really throwing the ball that much. So it's been kind of a rare opportunity to see these guys win in one-on-one situations. But when their quarterbacks are, you know, Jordan Love and, and Shea Patterson, I kind of understand that to an extent. But, yeah, like um, uh, the Liberty I, – I I can't even remember his name. Gilman, I guess, is his name. He, he's Gandhi been, Golden. Gandhi Golden. Yeah, Gandhi, Gandhi Golden. Well, I, I need to start remembering that. Uh, no, he's been impressive. Um, impressive at the catch point. Impressive tracking deep balls, you know, uh, over his shoulder. Um, but but definitely, I think the, the guy stood up to me the most is Mims. And there's also a tight end from the South team as well, from L- LSU, uh, Stefan S- S- Sullivan, who was working in, in conjunction with Thaddeus Moss, who had a good game in the national championship. He's been the guy that, just watching the receivers in general, has created the most separation. It's just been this is the most athletically gifted and no one in, in terms of the, the South defense has been able to keep up with him in terms of uh, his, his route running, his overall um, receiving ability. So there's, there's definitely some intriguing receiving options. I know your guy, Michael Pittman, you want to talk about as well. He's been, he's been doing pretty well, pretty good as well. It's just been easier to, I think, evaluate um, some of the South guys because they've just had more opportunities in the right. Bengals practices. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, just a little bit more on Pittman, I guess. I, I saw on Twitter, I think it was maybe from Joe Marino of the Draft Network or somebody had said that, uh, you know, he's he's been really dominant and playing well in practices. Obviously, that has – have to see that translate in the Senior Bowl and, and then into the pros. But uh, it sounds like he's had a good week of practice so far. Um, you know, another one of those height, weight, speed guys last year. when We, we did a preview of him, John, on one of our prospect watch lists uh, on, in one of our previous episodes. And I noted that, you know, Pittman had some good statistics this year, had the high touchdown volume last year, despite some quarterback change, be it injury or other issues over the past couple of seasons. So um, maybe a little stability will do him good, but um, good to hear that he's doing pretty well. And I, I, if you have any additional insight on him or observations on him, I'd love to hear it. Uh, I, I, again, like I saw most of his work on, on day one when they were going through one-on-ones and he, he had a, he had a couple of good opportunities on, on some go routes to win over the top and being, and he all did. So yeah, I, I, you know, being six, being six, three, two twenty, he's got an incredible build and incredible speed to go with that. And, and he's had the opportunity in some of these drills to take advantage of the North cornerback. So he's, he's had himself a good week. It'll be interesting to see how that carries over to tomorrow's practice into the game. So I would be remiss if I did not ask you about uh, a particular young man that uh, is a little is probably one of the one of the scariest one of the scariest prospects for the Cincinnati Bengals in that he may be a guy that uh, the team looks at potentially for. Uh, you know, we're uh, really and, doing this. Yeah. Well, no, we're not. But uh, I, I do want to talk about Justin Herbert. For some reason, PFF is um, <laughs> saying he's the highest graded guy, offensive player in practice. I don't know what that tells you. But before we get to your um, observations, I do want to play an audio clip that you posted on your Twitter account, an interview with Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, brief interview, asking him about being a scheme diverse guy. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's studying a lot of offenses, going through the process three different times, and uh, learning new plays, how to study best, how to learn best, um, and so coming here that, that we've had an advantage of, of learning the plays. 
So basically, he's kind of talking about working under the Cincinnati Bengals staff and the fact that he's gone, uh, uh, he's really had a number of different offensive coordinators, coaches at Oregon, and and maybe that makes him well versed and I, I guess maybe even a bit more adaptable than than some of the other quarterbacks that could be up to, to debate. Bottom line, I guess what I'm asking is how has Herbert looked? He is the most talented guy that is in Mobile this weekend. I I would venture to guess so. Uh, your thoughts on him, how he has looked in practice, Mr. PFF, all practice team, <laughs> uh, Justin Herbert. Well, I wouldn't say he's the most talented. I think that has to go to Javon Kinlaw, but in terms of quarterbacks down there, he's definitely been more well, noticeable. He's been no- more noticeable than Jalen Hurts and, uh, um, Montez Stevens or whatever, Steven Montez from Colorado state or Colorado, excuse me. Um, no, he's been, he's been good. Like you can, you can tell that, you know, he's just a natural, just throwing on the run and in person when they're going through these, you know, seven on seven and 11, on 11 drills, when there are a lot of play action rollouts in the install that the Bengals offense is implementing. And he's finding guys getting open on the sec- on these second level reads and whatnot. And, and balls are coming out accurate. So he's done nothing but really help himself. He's been great in interviews. Um, just not only the ones that I was a part of, but also in, in, during media day, he was, he was answering questions uh, very personable and very maturely and all that stuff. So he's done nothing but help himself. And I think uh, there's a lot of buzz right now about Jordan Love, you know, climbing into the top half of the first round. And that kind of leaves Herbert in this kind of, you know, this, I, I, I don't know if we don't, a very ambiguous uh, draft stock right now for Herbert. It just depends on, you know, what really happens for agency with all these teams that need quarterbacks and that could really, uh, you know, uh, adjust and fluctuate his overall stock. So right now, like, you know, the senior bowl is, is kind of hit or miss with some of these quarterbacks, but he's, he's done nothing but help himself so far. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've really talked about this, but uh, have, has anybody really stood out in a negative way? Uh, some maybe some guys, some guys that you had your eye on and had some high hopes for going into this weekend, and maybe they've uh, fallen a little short. Uh, I, a couple offensive linemen have not looked particularly good. Uh, the uh, John Simpson from Clemson, unfortunately, does not hmm. look like a, a guy. He's been a guy that Turner has like consistently scolded because he's he's just not handling he's not his own blocker and he's these drills are just not really his forte he's had a lot of bad matchups with uh not not only kinlaw but also uh robert windsor who's the defensive line from penn state he's been he's been wrecking things consistently along the interior but yeah so there's 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 a couple of offensive linemen that are just not really fits for what the Bengals are looking for and and that's fine this is an arena that really separates you know the athleticism and, and the raw power of some of these guys. But um, I, I, again, there's not much that we've really seen that can, that can determine if these guys, you know, just aren't really fits or, or whatnot, because the practices for the most part have been kind of limited and um, almost in some ways unconventional, speci- specifically with the Lions who are doing, uh, who are, are doing a lot of run blocking drills with, with these wide receivers and not le- really letting the quarterbacks show off their, their their talents to these receivers. So it's been kind of an interesting couple sets of practices for the Lions. The Bengals are basically doing what they do in training camp, and that's not is it hasn't been anything surprising to me. What like it just looks like a typical Bengals practice out there. But um, there hasn't been a lot of I guess what do you call it, disappointing performances. There there have been a couple of players that I've been meaning to you know watch in more in depth because I knew their names going in, but I really haven't got the the, the chance to uh, go over that because I've been so encapsulated with with some of these guys in the trenches, but for the most part, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Like Lloyd Cushenberry has impressed me 
mm. more than I thought. More than I thought he would. He measured in like a mammoth, and he moves just he just glides so easily on some of these zone concepts. So he's definitely a guy I think has raised his draft stock. And uh, I, again, it's, it's been a lot of you know, it's been good to not know a lot of these guys coming in to get some organic general impressions because I don't think that these rosters are as talented as the last two that I've been accustomed to. And it's definitely a lot uh, less names that I know. So just seeing these guys perform either good or bad, I think is good from an evaluation standpoint, just to get more organic Im- impressions. And that can leave a, a more lasting and um, more accurate impact on how we, we view them going forward. Um, I, I, if you don't mind, John, before we get out of here, we're by the way, we're cutting this episode a little short because we want our good friend John to uh, have a little fun out there in Mobile for the rest of the evening. But he also did an extensive amount of work uh, today, this week, and we have that long interview with Duke Tobin. So um, we're going we're gonna to cut the episode a little short. But before we get out of here, we've got a couple minutes, John. Um, if you are okay with it, we've got a couple of people asking about some specific players um put you on the spot a little bit if you if you have not if you don't have anything on them don't feel bad it's just uh a little little rapid fire uh terrell lewis um keith brewer in the live youtube chat is asking about terrell lewis he said are they practicing terrell lewis at strong side linebacker lapham mentioned it um i don't know if you have any info on that but both both Alabama edge rushers have looked really good um, for the South team. Like they've been so, some of the guys that have consistently won against these tackles, and Lewis is no exception. Um, just the 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 push the push and pull rip moves from from him have been have been fun to watch. And like Alabama guys usually do well in these kind of arenas because they're so well coached and they're so physically gifted and whatnot. So Lewis has not been an exception to that rule. Uh, Akeem Gaither, uh, any, anything on him? So that that was a name that popped up. Unfor- like I've I've heard of, I've heard about him. I saw a little bit more of him on the first day than I did the second day, but I haven't seen a lot of the linebackers. But he looks like a natural athlete, and I think that's definitely important to see because you know if coming from Appalachian State and just anybody who comes from a small school, how they match up athletically in space against you know more natural athletes who went on to, to bigger schools, I think is important. I think that he's shown that he has enough athleticism. I haven't seen him. Um, a, a lot in terms of the, the in, from a physicality standpoint, I haven't seen him really match up um, as a pass rusher or in, in run defense or whatnot. But just in the the spare moments I've seen him in space, he's looked pretty good there. Uh, University of Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson, any anything on him? Oh, he's been one of, if not the best receivers down here. Um, today, he, today he made a couple of, of Moss moments. I think one, unfortunately, one was out of bounds, but he, he created a lot of separation on a lot of deep balls on day one. And yeah, he's been he's been really good. And he was a guy that I kind of knew coming into this, but I didn't really know what exactly his skill set was. But he definitely looks like a, a, a more natural um, deep threat than I definitely expected, especially with these quarterbacks and in, in how inconsist- inconsistent they can be. Uh, Logan Stenberg from I think he's a University of Kentucky guard. Did you mention him? Oh yeah, he's another guy that Turner does not like. He oh, okay. um, he, he just doesn't he just doesn't play with any leverage, and it's 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 tough for him. And like like his hand, his grip strength is kind of there, but he he just exposes his chest and way too much, and he just loses at the point of attack a lot. Unfortunately, Kentucky doesn't. It's not the best school for developing offensive line talent, and he looks a lot like John Toth did a couple of years ago. Just a guy that has power to him, but he's he's just he's just going to get bull rushed consistently in the NFL unless he gets his pads down. Uh, is I'm trying to think. Uh, what about is I don't know if this if some of these guys are there or not. Um, 
Uh, I saw something about Eason, but I, is he is Eason there? Um, Eason is not here. Yeah, uh, I didn't, I didn't think Randy, so. Randy Roberts from Facebook is asking about Colin Johnson. I've only seen like one or two plays from him, but um, again, a, a guy who can separate deep has been pretty good. And he's tall as hell, as Joe Gouveri is telling me in the background. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, he's just a guy that's he's just a guy that stands out. And a lot of these receivers are extremely talented. And I I, I discussed over or Van, Van Jefferson uh, about a minute ago. But most of these receivers have made a lot of good impressions. What about uh, Prince Tega Wanogo? Uh, from he is from unfortunately not uh, participating. I think he got shot medically. He, yeah, uh, he got hurt. That's right. Yeah, I hadn't heard much about him, so I was wondering what what the deal was there. Uh, you know, I think. Trey Adams, Washington. That was somebody that's also not. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't go. Yeah. I hadn't heard anything about him. So I was wondering what the deal was there too. Uh, All right. Well, um, I think that's it, man. I mean, we tried to get to a lot of these, so I think I've put you on the spot enough. Is your, is your mind fried? Do you feel like you've just been through the ringer? You should. Uh, again, like I, I have wind burn on my face. I've, I've got a stomach full of barbecue, and yeah, I need a, I need a drink or two right now for sure. Yeah, what's what's gonna be the what's gonna be the beverage of choice down in Mobile? Oh uh, man, I, I I could use a seltzer right now. I, you, you, uh-huh. know, you know, you, you, you know, you know my love for that, and that's that's honestly feeling feeling pretty good right now. All right, well, get after it. Uh, what's is it? Is it really cold down there right now? It was freezing yesterday because of the way really? they got a little bit they got a little bit warmer today but there's supposed to be a storm that's coming in tonight and unfortunately it is moving practice to south alabama's indoor facility so there'll be limited access for media members there but we're going to try to get there and, and try to get some live content for you guys okay cool are you uh are you staying through the game i'm not i'm flying home friday morning okay okay well uh, keep it coming, man. Uh, appreciate all of the stuff that you got to us, especially that Duke Tobin interview. If you have other interviews that you end up landing along the way, definitely uh, share them with us, and we'll we'll pop them on the channel, man. It's awesome stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast. Good. Tell tell Goodberry back there what's going on, and uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night, rest of your trip. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. This show has primarily centered around John's trip to Mobile, Alabama, and all the sights, sounds, reactions, and, of course, the Duke Tobin interview that we put on the podcast channel earlier on Wednesday. So check out that that interview and uh, get the show how you can. Subscribe to any number of our channels that we offer the program on. And keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, videos, podcasts, all kinds of good stuff on cincyjungle.com, your source for Bengals news. We will see you next episode. This is a short one. I'm not used to this being so (laughs) short, John, at least short for us. Um, So enjoy the rest of your trip, man. Fly home safe and uh, go have some fun tonight. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the work. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next episode.